This podcast is brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within federal, state, and local government agencies. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com, and welcome to the second of my two-part interview with Philip Reidinger, Deputy Undersecretary of the Department of Homeland Security, National Protection and Programs Directorate. Reidinger is the highest cybersecurity executive at DHS. In the first part of the interview, which can be found elsewhere on our website, we talked about a white paper DHS produced under his direction entitled Enabling Distributed Security in Cyberspace. The paper discussed a new, safer internet ecosystem. As we continued our chat, we focused on the current state of IT security in the government and nation. At a recent congressional hearing, you testified that sensitive information is routinely stolen from government and private sector networks. And you said we cannot be certain that our information infrastructure will remain accessible and reliable during a time of crisis. That sounds dire, is it? Well, I don't want to tell you that the sky is falling. I come to work every day and I get work done. But I'm telling you that the threat environment is significant. And it's not possible for anyone to stay completely secure. It's just too hard, even for the most concerned of agencies or private sector entities. And if we believe, as our president said, that our networks are national security assets, we need to pay significant attention to that problem. And obviously, I guess you feel you are at the DHS and I guess what they're doing over at the White House. We had a survey that we conducted among information security professionals in government who felt that the federal government was not really leading, like two-thirds. And these are government IT practitioners. Would you be surprised by that high of a number? I'm really surprised by surveys. What I'd say is we are leading But we're not the only people that need to lead. This is a distributed ecosystem. Our private sector partners need to be, and in fact are at the table as well. It is unfortunate that people don't really understand the threats that we face and the risks that we have. And it is hard occasionally to get traction in a world where there are so many things that occupy people's attention for very legitimate reasons. You know, there's a lot of turmoil in the world, there are natural disasters, and those are very immediate. With cyber, most people don't have the, you know, the smoking gun in front of them. The tornado is not on their front door. We've got a a long, hard road ahead of us to continue to say this is really important and people need to pay attention. Is it really beyond government's ability or the leaders in governments to to persuade the public of the dangers? There's just too much competition for other things going on in the world, as you just alluded to. We're marshalling the resources that we have to bear. The president himself gave a speech on cybersecurity when the Cyberspace Policy Review was launched, and now in May of 2009. How many heads of state have given a speech particularly dedicated to cybersecurity? I will tell you that the Secretary of Homeland Security talks about this all the time, as does the Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security and the Deputy Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of Commerce. We have government leaders' attention, and they are using the resources at their disposal to carry the ball forward. There are a lot of things going on. We also, at the worker bee level, we are making a lot of effort. For the first time now, we don't just have a Cybersecurity Awareness Month. We've got a national cybersecurity awareness campaign. The goal here is to have a very clear and direct message that people can relate to. You know, much as we had Smokey the Bear for preventing forest fires and the jingle about don't cross in the middle of the street from all of our childhood. So we want that sort of simple message. So we're we're carrying the Stop Think Connect message around. That's not all you need to do, but the idea is that 
If people need online, you know, to not check their brains at the keyboard. Much as they think and they use their heads when they drive so they drive safely, they need to think when they're online. So they need to stop before they're about to do something online, think about what it is they're about to do, and then connect and do so in a safe way. Sad for those of us in the information technology industry and people who've been cybersecurity geeks for 15 years, but nobody actually buys a computer to have computer security. They buy a computer to do things. That's the whole purpose of having a computer. That's why they're going to connect. They just need to do so in the right way. As Congress looks for ways to cut the federal deficit, should they exempt IT security spending? And if they make cuts in IT security spending, would that damage our ability to safeguard federal information assets? The resources that we in government need are those that the president asked for in his budget. We give a lot of thought to the the resource requests, and as you can imagine, there's a fair amount of competition in government because there are a lot of missions that we need to accomplish. And so we think very, very hard about how much to ask for and where to put it. Obviously, cuts in cybersecurity with the threat environment that we face cause us some concern. You'd be obviously uh, reluctant to see that happen. A year and a half ago, Homeland Security Secretary John DePolitano announced that the department received new authority to hire up to a 1,000 IT security professionals. How's that going, and what skills are the toughest to find? It's going pretty well. In fiscal year 2009, we tripled the number of people, roughly, that we have in um, the National Cybersecurity Division working cybersecurity. And in fiscal year 2010, we roughly doubled. Right now, we're up to working cybersecurity and that report up through our Office of Cybersecurity Communications to me to about 240. Next year, we're going to be hoping to grow to around 400 by the end of the year. That is by October of next year. So we're avidly hiring people. In this environment, you know, I definitely advise your younger listeners to go into cybersecurity. Jobs are not hard to find. The problem that we face is there's nary a person that works for me in cybersecurity that couldn't walk out the door and double his or her salary. They work for government because we offer a critical mission space and an opportunity to be a patriot and help your country. But we ask people to make sacrifices. Given the fact that it's also more difficult to hire people in government, sometimes that can be difficult. But we're having a lot of success in hiring people. The skills that are in demand certainly include the technical skills. The people who are the Jedi of cybersecurity, who graduate from computer programs that have an emphasis in security and really understand what they're doing. Those are hard people to get. We're doing a good job of getting them, but it's going to be a continuing struggle. The thousand jobs that the secretary referred to, were they all for the National Cybersecurity Division or were they for other functions at... Uh, at so that's across the department. Let me, let me be clear for you. It's not a thousand new positions. It's an authority to hire um, in, a, in a more expedited way um, up to a thousand people into positions that we're including already, you know, we're including in our budget. We get to use special, faster government ways to hire people. Not that they're as fast as the private sector, but they're faster than typical government processes. And those apply for people who do cybersecurity or what's called information assurance across the Department of Homeland Security. We're continuing to move forward, and, and we would um, hope to work with Congress as we move forward to get additional expedited authorities so that we can continue to compete with the private sector for those key people in the right way. Obviously, you're having more success, I think, than other kinds of governments, state governments and local governments. I talked to CISOs there, and they complain they just don't have the money and the resources. Is there anything new that DHS can offer local and state governments in securing their uh, digital assets? So the answer is yes, and Eric, your question is exactly right. Um, State and local governments are in a lot of trouble because 
in some ways, particularly some of the smaller local governments, they're a lot more like individual end users, and they don't have the resources or the effective ability to secure themselves any more than you or I might on our home computers. That makes it very hard on them. One of the things that we've got to do is make that easier. And that's where the paper that we talked about earlier comes in. We need to make it easier for people to reach an appropriate level of security. In terms of things that they can do right now, there are programs that are helpful to them. A couple of things that I point out is the continuing growth of the Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center, which is located in New York. We support the Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center, Analysis Center very heavily, and it's there and directly there to support the security activities of state and local governments and is piloting some very interesting programs to offer managed security services to state and local governments so it's easier for them to be secure. And my understanding is they're having a very good level of success in doing that. We're looking for additional ways that we can work with that center. We directly work with states and localities, including their Homeland Security Advisors and their Chief Information Security Officers, and have instituted another pilot program to make sure that those folks have security clearances and can get access to classified up to the secret level cyber information through state and local fusion centers. Finally, we are hoping to, in the near future, get someone from the multi-state information sharing and analysis center on site at our operations center, at our cyber operations center, so we'll have an even more direct flow so state and local entities can get better access to what's happening in the environment, um, have situational awareness about what's going on and react appropriately. I know that you had at least one state that was using, I believe it was Einstein too, or there's Michigan, for intrusion detection. Uh, would that be expanded to states, local governments? That was a very good pilot. I think we learned a lot. Uh, we're moving in a different direction right now because it's probably not as scalable an approach for the federal government to try to offer that service to all the states and localities. And instead, we're working through the multi-state ISAC to extend some of the commercial managed security services to the states. Okay, thanks, Phil. Thank you. I've been speaking with DHS Deputy Undersecretary Philip Reitinger. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.GovInfoSecurity.com.